Rant and Rave is brought to you by Andrews Technology Group. Make sure you hit them up at A-N-D-R-E-W-S Technology Group dot com. DJs, promoters, small business owners, get your technology and website needs met. Hey, Soka lovers, it's Soka Say So. And this chick. And we're back with episode 11 of season five. And this season, we're tackling the topic, New Year, New Moves. In this episode, I am so excited to be sitting down with Guyanese American director extraordinaire, Stefan Bristol, who directed the film See You Yesterday on Netflix to talk about what he has coming in 2021 with his new moves. We hope you enjoy the episode. Just so, just so I know, because people are like, oh, I'm Guyanese. Where are your family from? Which part of Guyana? Georgetown, Guyana, Camberville. All right. Uh, yes, right <laughs> on the Sheriff Street. Mm. Okay, uh, okay. Don't, don't mess with me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But now, but now my family's spread out in Guyana. I got some family up in Melanie uh, and, and some others in Burbies. I promised my cousin um, down there, she's really pissed off at me because, like, you know, I got had had money, and I didn't go down there. <laughs> and she was pissed off. I said, you know what? Once the pandemic eases off, that's the first place I go. Nice. Because I haven't been a guy in for for many years. And you know, you have to pack a barrel, three suitcases. You I have to know, take. <laughs> I know. I know. Not just a barrel, three barrels, okay? And and then you're not gonna get your suitcase back. <laughs> You're not gonna get it back. Three suitcases, and you, you're coming back with a uh, with a carry on, okay? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. You want your suitcase back? Look at you. <laughs> you don't get that back. You just leave it there. Let them share out whatever is inside, and that's it. You did your part. You brought the ham. You brought the rice. You brought the the clothes. You brought the shoes. And then, of course, you have to have a nice pair of shoes because somebody's gonna be going to some function. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> Okay, for real, for real. Let's start the episode in three, two, one. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Ranta Rave podcast. It's your girl, this chick. I am speaking today with movie director extraordinaire, GT talent, big up Mr. Stefan Bristol, who is on the check-in right now. Hey. A. <laughs> we are getting into what he has going on right now. Of course, you know, the, the grind never stops. So we want to get all the details of how his tremendous career has been going over the past few years and then what he has uh-huh. coming. So welcome to the podcast, Stefan. Oh, pick up yourself, boy. <laughs> <laughs> let me start. Let me start. Let me, let me put my American accent on. How you doing, girl? <laughs> I did, I good, I good. <laughs> For those of you who cannot see him right now, he is sipping tea, so in true GT fashion. <laughs> I guess staving off a cold, the COVID, everything, you know, tea is, is multi-purpose. So that's right. Well, I'm super excited to have you on the podcast, but I want people to get familiar with you. For those of you who do not know, who are listening to the podcast, Stefan Bristol is the director of See You Yesterday that came out on Netflix. So big up himself for that one. Oh. <laughs> and of course, he has more projects in the works. But listen, I am the daughter of GT parents. And I know I can't walk home and say, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to do movies. I'm going to do film. Flim. <laughs> I film. Flim. <laughs> <laughs> 
another flim and have them be okay with this. What was it like for you to, first of all, tell your family that this is what you wanted to do? How did you arrive at that? And of course, you know, how, how much rum did it take before you finally were able to tell them this is what you want to do with your life? I was 18 years old. Mind you, I grew up in Brooklyn. I grew up in Coney Island. Uh, and then once we moved out from Coney Island all the way to Long Island, uh, I was 18 years old. I miss Brooklyn so much. And I saw Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing for the first time. Very first time. And, and after when the, when, the, when the credits went up, immediately I knew exactly what I wanted to do with my life. Exactly what I wanted to do with my life. I rushed downstairs and told Ma, I know, I want, I know what I want to study in college. She was like, I'm not paying for you to study flim. <laughs> <laughs> Nope. And no college. Damn. So I went to community college to study English literature. Then to get the hell away from my parents, I went to Morehouse College in Atlanta, Georgia to continue to study English literature. And then I woke up one morning and saying, this ain't for me. I need, I, I, my passion is to being a film director. So I worked my ass off and I mean, I got my bachelor's degree, so she can't say nothing what I want to do in my life afterwards. Mm-hmm. That's already too late. I wished, I honestly wished I pushed uh, back and said, this is, no, I'm going to be, a, I want to study film undergrad, but it works out because, in a way, it works out because at, at, at NYU, all you do is study film. Mm-hmm. That's all you do. That's from my master's. So it's not until she saw that I am very serious with what I'm doing that you know, she's decided to support. Nice, nice. You know how mothers are. They need something to brag about in their friend group to say, my son is a doctor, my son is a lawyer, my son is a professor. <laughs> my son is a film director. <laughs> and let me tell you, she would not let, I, I, so many times I asked her, please do not go around and tell people that. And But she said she does it anyway. And it's annoying because once you tell people about that, everybody want to talk to me and and and, and 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 just like no, get away. They're all auditioning now. Right? Yeah, they're all like, oh, oh, you should write a movie about my life. Oh yeah. If I get a penny for for people telling me that, I'll be a very rich man. Wow, wow. <laughs> well, sure. there goes my pitch. Never mind. <laughs> just shoot it down immediately. <laughs> but well, I'm sure your life is pretty interesting. Just majority of people on this planet, it's not. I mean you've done you've done work with major people I know once you dropped the Spike Lee bomb for your mother she was like oh you're working with Spike Lee Hmm. (laughs) maybe this film thing has a a future (laughs) I I was serious I I was you know I didn't go after Spike because when I was at Morehouse I chased Spike down three times over different semesters to get an internship it wasn't like I'm trying to chase Spike just because he's famous I just to be uh, being a filmmaker is a very serious craft, and you got to know what you're doing. I wanted to know what I was doing. And so Spike made very two important films in my life: "Do the Right Thing" and, and, and Malcolm X, and they're not really much a foundation of the film language that I have. I needed to know how to do it, so I chased after the damn man, just so so I can know how to do it. It was not because you know he's famous. A lot of people think think that, of course, and which is fine. That's mm-hmm. not the reason. I wanted to be very good at what I do. And I yeah. didn't, and if it wasn't for Spike, 
will be somebody else who you probably won't know, you know, but I'm learning from that person. That's, that's the whole, that's the whole thing. So if you want to be the best, you got to learn from the best, right? So I tell people, look for a mentor, man. Look for a mentor that would guide you and you don't have to be famous. There's other amazing film directors I, you know, could have chased after perhaps. But the reason why I chased up Spike because he, I connected on a level, on an artistic level of how he brings, brings black life on screen. And what's very important about how you bring black life on screen is how diverse um, and how specific black culture is different from so many, from so many people. You know, it's, you know, I'm Caribbean, right? You know, I've got Guyanese. Mm-hmm. I go to, I go to an HBCU like Morehouse College. Mind you, I grew up in Long Island. I grew up in Brooklyn. And, I, and I, we just we got constantly portrayed as a monolithic group, black people, just mm-hmm. constantly as a monolithic group. And that's when I went to Morehouse and we see how extremely diverse we are. And that's when I really recognized that I am the, I'm not you know, just a black American. I am a Guyanese American. All my friends know how to play spades. I don't know how to play spades. I know how to play domino. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> to this not day. Black person have to know how to play spades. That's not how it is mm-hmm. in real life. I met, I met black folks who from Zimbabwe. I met black folks who from Brazil. I met black folks who weren't Christian. We're scared my folks. <laughs> oh my God, you're going to college, listen, don't stay away from people who aren't Christian. And other. I was like, there's nothing wrong with, with, with my black Muslim brothers. Mm-hmm. Nothing yeah. wrong with, with, with my sister who practiced Buddhism. There's nothing wrong with, with homeboy who's an atheist. I learn a lot more about religion sometimes from atheists than I do from Christians. Yeah. Uh-oh, guy, these people are not going to like hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to direct all the commentary to you. Any any comments you have, please contact Stefan Bristol. You're yeah. not necessarily those who can rent a podcast. <laughs> Come at me, bro. Come at me. <laughs> but it's so true. It's so true. I was actually going to ask you about that. Being at an HBCU, you know, you never really hear about the Black immigrant experience at an HBCU, right? Every time people think if you're at Spelman, you're at Morehouse, whatever, you're a Black American, and you basically perform the same way and you have the same culture. And, and so... right. You hardly hear about that. Did you feel the the difference? Like, oh my goodness, I'm definitely not like these other black people. I feel my Caribbean roots. Definitely, definitely. It was just, it's not just Caribbean roots. Just, I just get to learn who I am as a person because going to HBCU, you get to sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes you get to forget you're black for once. The only time I had to worry about being black was during my a predominantly white institution days at community college and at NYU. They will mm-hmm. remind you you're black. Yeah. And, it's, and I'm so, you know, I learned how to be comfortable with myself. Uh, when I got into NYU, when I have, you know, a lot of these kids saying, hey, man, like, how can we always just making movies with only black actors? Or, you know, man, I love the way your, your people talk. Like who? Exactly. Mm. You know, I don't sound like DMX. And like, you know, <laughs> who? What are you talking about? You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. It was funny about being Caribbean in, in the HBCU. You, you get to meet other people. I was able to have the opportunity to go to Haiti for the first time mm. and see how different that is, being you know, being Caribbean and black. That was an eye-opening experience. That's a whole nother story. That's a whole nother story. Um, wow. And that's a different dynamic, you know, than being, you know, Guyanese American. Because we have, 
you know, there's there's a racial issues between you know Indian Guyanese and Black Guyanese in Haiti. It's a it's it's a colorism issue. <laughs> yeah, that's eye opening. You know, very very eye opening. So um, yeah. Mm, we're going to have to get into that story at some point. Um, but <laughs> That's a whole other conversation. That's a whole other podcast episode. Stay tuned for part two, guys. Um, but I want to know because, of course, when we see See You Yesterday, we do see representations of culture in that film. Yeah. And it is nice to see. Yeah. Was that, I know as the short, you had some of it, but when it became the feature length, were you very conscious of, I want to make sure I put this in? Oh, 120%. Before I got it, when I got into NYU, I always want to make a movie that's set in East Flatbush. Mm-hmm. Always want to make a movie that's set in Flatbush. And I had no idea what movie it was going to be. So I just ended up making other movies at NYU. So by the time my short film, see yesterday's short film was my success for my thesis film in the world and whatnot, by the time I get to the feature film, I said, I know I want to set in Brooklyn. I'm not setting East Flatbush. I go there all the time. Um, it was just mm-hmm. a matter of making sure that the, that the kids were pretty in and, and uh, what the, you know, their, their friends are as well and the neighborhood is that. And it's just a lot of research. Even mm-hmm. though I know the neighborhood, you know, you know, relatively well, I still had to go there all the time. I still had to talk to people. I was I was involved with the church one time, and then you know the the whole homophobic movement of that church. I had to leave, mm-hmm. um, and then you know I, I do my research, man. And sometimes that involved days of just walking around the neighborhood, and that involves summers, you know, sticking out during Caribbean Carnival Week, making sure I'm I'm in the Parkway, winding my waist, jacking my waist, <laughs> all know. for the research, all you know. for the research. <laughs> because the, but the thing is, you just have to live it. Yes, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. You have to live it, and and I took all that, put it in my script. Nice. Was there pushback? Like, all right, we could probably, you know, editing. Right. Just everybody, we don't need this. No, everybody was so on board because they never see something like that before. I never seen a film about the black immigrant experience, and that's a story that really needs to be told. Very much. Really so. does, Very especially thinking so. through just like the history of this country and all of the. Black movements, we've been front and center, but for some reason, that voice or that aspect of those leaders doesn't come through. Like, uh, yeah, so it would be great to see more of that. Just saying, I'm working on it. <laughs> Just saying. if you could, if you could do something about that, that'd be great. No, actually, one of my movies I'm working on called Breathe. This was Thunder Road, and that they're the production company that did all the John Wick movies, and. Uh, you're large. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, the, the movie is a, is a sci-fi movie. It's to take place in East Flatbush, um, where in the future, the earth no longer has any oxygen. And you got this mother and daughter scientists stuck in the bunker trying to keep outside invaders from trying to steal their oxygen machine. And the main characters are Guyanese. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. <laughs> so we have mother-daughter scientists. Yeah. In East Flatbush, and they're also Guyanese. That's right. You just check. Do you just when you're doing the movies, just check all the boxes? Like, let me make Why sure you, I have you these. Know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that is wonderful. It's wonderful because I love it. It's the same for C. Yesterday. I love that the main character is female. You know, a lot of times when you get these kind of time yeah. travel movies, you don't really get a female lead. Um, yeah. Was that 
intentional I mean, as well. Very, very, very intentional. When I was writing the script, it was more the boy story, but mm-hmm. the, 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 the woman's, the girl character keeps speaking to me. It's, it's her brother who's dying. Uh, so she spoke to me a lot. And I just like, when I went, when I worked with my co-writer, we had, you just, we had to make sure she's, she's in the top shape. Like I've never seen that before. I remember last time I ever seen a black woman in a major sci-fi film was probably Sanaa Lathan in Alien versus Predator. And, you know, when I saw that, I was like, what? I've never seen that before. Sanaa Lathan, like doing that. And just seeing her character was very, you know, tomboyish, very headstrong and, uh, and fighting. I, I wanted, I wanted to see that. And that's, it, she was very, that character is very dear to my heart. Um, and I'm glad I, because uh, you never seen her before. And I wanted to do a character like her. It's, it's a good perspective on that story. You know, you tend to see either from the black men being harassed or you see it from the cop, but you hardly ever see it from the people who are affected yeah. by police brutality in this way. Like yeah. the people who live after and have to deal with the trauma. Yeah, exactly. That was that's the whole point of the movie. It's the family. The family lost something. Mm-hmm. Not only lost someone, but lost a legacy. Yeah. And that sort of got to try to build another one. You know, uh, which I appreciate uh, the mother um, of Trayvon Martin. She's she's trying to build a legacy right now. You know, mm-hmm. and, and and the other mothers as well. Isn't that's I think I'm, I'm one. Uh, mother forgot who young man who got shot, but she's trying to become a you know uh, a city politician mm-hmm. from yeah. that. I think that was really beautiful. Yeah, we have seen you're right in real life, seeing people like Tamika, all all the women stepping up to try to end this. And that's another thing. Women are the forefront of this movement. Black Lives Matter was created by three women, so it's so it's it's poetic justice that uh that this film has a black woman as a lead. And on top of that, I, you know, having these kids be scientists, I grew up, once again, you know, I grew up in Brooklyn, the era, you know, 90s was such a crazy time. Uh, I think we even living in crazier times now, but mm-hmm. the 90s was such a crazy time, you know, where, you know, hip hop was such a huge thing, Influ- the influence of hip hop and young people is such a huge thing, and the influence of sports, was such a huge thing with young and black mm-hmm. girls, a young black men as well. And the issue I had growing up among my friends is that to make it out of the hood or to become somebody uh, worthwhile or or have a great sense of have a great sense of self worth, uh, we have to be a rapper, have to be mm-hmm. a singer, we have to, we have to be an athlete. Nothing wrong with being these things. But not everybody has the, that amount of talent to cut, make it a cut. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, so I wanted to provide, I wish that this movie was there so it would provide me and provide my peers that science is actually pretty goddamn cool. And it, it, will, it would be an amazing uh, uh, thing for, for someone's livelihood, for any young black man's livelihood. And we need more of that. So I'm trying to make science cool in the film so young young people will tackle that kind of idea for their career. Yeah, focusing on the mind to change things. That's that's wonderful. Yeah, I I do think that the message has come across loud and clear from CU yesterday. I've seen many videos 
recapping it, commenting on it, people talking about it, people wanting to see more. People want a sequel because, you know, you left it as a cliffhanger. I'm, I'm not making no sequel and I'm not listening to any of those reaction videos. No thank you. <laughs> I have to come to people out on Twitter. Yeah. What, what are they saying? Oh, he's lazy. You didn't know how to write. Well, you know, this time the third. Oh, I had to cuss. I had to let some people up, but then I had to delete those tweets later because I don't have any issue. But no, nah, I'm not making no sequel. I did that. You know, CES, they took me five years of my life to make. Wow. Five years. And yeah. I am done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're over it. Yeah. 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 No, plus it's such a complicated issue to kind of have some sort of resolution in the film i think people don't walk away thinking about it right if you if you end it for them then they just move on with life i think it's nice to have this kind of well what do you what do you think happened next exactly i mean this is there are really because i you know i don't want to give away what i have already said the reason why um so for the sake of this podcast because i'm believing that there's gonna be people who learn about this film for the first time especially Danish people for the first time i i I don't want to give away the ending and the reasons why they would give away the ending. Let them see it, see it for themselves, um, dig into themselves. Why did why uh, the director ended like this? It's a positive thing in my opinion now, looking back at it, because people very are very involved with the characters and what they're going through. They're very involved um, with the film, which you know I could pack myself on my, on my back for that if. If you're so upset with the ending, that means you really like the film going in. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. Yeah, and people saying, oh, the the movie is, uh, the ending destroyed the whole movie. I'm like, really? You think, you think I would get, you think Netflix will pay me X million dollars, X millions of dollars, millions of dollars, single digit though. You think if Netflix plays millions of dollars with a producer named Spike Lee, would not approve of that ending, not understand the reason why I made it. And you think they'll make that month, make that movie? Mm-hmm. It's like, come on, yo. That's yeah. craziness. I worked my ass off for years to get, but let me stop. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> no, tell them. Tell them why you're mad, son. It's It totally makes sense. It makes sense. You're right. I mean, this is. This has been a work in progress. Like I said, I saw it as a short and then saw it as a feature. So it makes sense that you thought this through. But okay, so so we did see you yesterday. Yeah. And now you have something else coming out because, you know, black men don't sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Other people, what you have coming, what you have coming up, this, this new feature that you have coming out. I have two features in the works actually right now they're racing to see which one will go first first one is we the one i told you about mm-hmm. the, you know this mother and daughter scientists who live in the future where the earth no longer has any oxygen that's one we have an academy award winning actress attached along with academy award nominated actress attached and we're going to yeah we're going out to financing right now i can't tell you who it is um and with um the other movie with netflix that one uh, was called Gordon Hemingway in the Realm of Cthulhu. That one takes pl- that one is a black Indiana Jones film taking place in Ethiopia. It's not even outside the box. You just throw away the box and just like. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I tried to uh, 
come up with some new stuff and clever and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's that one. That was a fun film as well. I'm working with not only with Spike on that, but the producers of Watchmen, the producers of Hellboy and Die Hard. So major names. <laughs> so you wow. know, I'm, man, I'm working out here. I'm trying to get trying to trying to get things in order, baby. I see. I see. No, it's first of all, it's great that you have work coming out. I know that's that's difficult for a lot of filmmakers where it's like it just gets it goes nowhere. So it's great that things are coming out for you. Netflix again, huh? You like the millions before? So you're like, let me get more. Oh, let me get more. Let me get more. more. (laughs) Now, mind you, look at this to the audience, because I got the film that made million million dollars doesn't mean I get millions of dollars. Stop it. Don't only think like that. That's especially with my first feature. It doesn't. Have I get paid handsomely? I really did. Yes, I did. But doesn't mean I get paid. Doesn't mean I'm gonna be a rich man anytime soon. Would your mother be okay with the amount that you got? Oh, she was happy with the amount. Yeah. It just that it, it didn't last long. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's why you got to keep turning them out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, that's the thing about the, being a film director is like there is peaks and valleys. You know, mm-hmm. so yes, it was a peak. I'm going through another valley right now until I make my another film, and then I'll be financially okay. Yeah. Um, not every film director becomes a millionaire. Mm-hmm. Some of the great film directors not are not millionaires, but I like to be a millionaire, of course. But yeah, I'm, I'm not. That's not my goal. My goal is to get a you know a good living because I have you know I have a pension. I have you know I'm part of a union, BGA. I got insurance. Nice. Um, and I'm living my best life. So nice. I want Diane's parents to stop believing that there is no success or career goals um, within the film industry. You don't have to be super famous to be successful. That's not what the, the film business is about. It's mm. not, there's so many ways to get in practice and get in and make money. As a film director, there's music videos, there's commercials there's you know short form content um there's there's you know outside of being director they're producing there is uh uh being cinematography uh being a cinematographer excuse me actor uh, and most important agent manager studio executives we need more black people especially more caribbean people in these in these positions Trust me, agents, managers, studio executives, they are the gatekeepers of how a film gets to get made. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. I hope they heard you. I hope the parents heard you, especially now. There's, listen, so many opportunities for young Black people, young Black Caribbean people, just young people in general. We're a commodity. In these industries, yeah. we are, right now in this movement, this whole Me Too movement, this Oscar's Cult, so white movement, uh, Black Lives Matter movement, there is we are a commodity right now, and they want us in their space. Sometimes it's for the wrong reasons. It's like, oh, we just want a black people just so we can check that box. But so what? Yeah. Get in there and do and get the work done. Yeah, I do want to encourage people listening. If you are thinking about being in the, in the film industry, please consider being a film agent, manager, or a studio executive. We need more black people in this space. We have more than enough. Black people trying to be writers, directors, and actors. <laughs> I'm trying to tell you. More than enough. 
mm. which is not a bad thing, but we, we need more gatekeepers. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense so that we could get more films like yours coming out with more actors and actresses that represent us That's right. and not, you know, hiring people to, especially for, let me tell you, it's a pet peeve among a lot of Caribbean people to hear the fake accents. It's so frustrating. Well, I got a lot of I got a lot of criticism about my movie about that. <laughs> I wasn't gonna say it. <laughs> I know. Yes, you was. That's why you meant, that's why you was pointing at it. I was gonna hint. I was going to suggest. There, you know, there were, you know, I did, I did the best I could. Some people, some people said it sounds just like Caribbean folks, and they're Caribbean themselves. And some people say that that's not it. So I got it's a mixed bag. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. some people believed in it, some people didn't. But I did the best I could. I appreciate that it was there. Thank you. Because <laughs> it's hard to find really good Caribbean actors. Mm-hmm. Ron Bob Simple is Guyanese. The guy who played Roscoe is Guyanese. Um, Dante Critchlow, who played Sebastian, um, sorry, no, no, the guy who played Roscoe is uh, St. Kitts or St. Lucia. Forgive, forgive, me. Mm-hmm. Uh, forgive me. And um, Dante, he's from Barbados. Stephanie, Marsha Stephanie Blake is Jamaican. So I did the best I can to find the best Caribbean actors for this one. Nice. Because there's not, I actually even went to find non-actors as well. I, you know, we, we picked up some people in Flatbush. We picked up some people in Richmond Hill to come to audition. You know what I'm saying? And they did the best they could. But, I, you know, it just, you know, it didn't work. So I did the best. Yeah. Yeah. But you won't tell us who's going to be in Breathe, so. No, nope, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> I hope they're practicing. If Do they have to have the Guyanese accent when they're in that, that film? Because if so. Not necessarily. Well, they could come to dinner and we could just, you know, no, let I them hear have, it. Yeah, I already have, <laughs> have plans. I'm actually going to talk to you now. Okay. Yeah. All right. So yes, I'm with it. Good. But I can't tell you who it is. Okay, fine. Fine. Ah. Fine. We'll wait until it comes out. We will, of course, support it because it's not enough just to have these things made. We have to support them. We have to stream them, buy them, whatever it is, just so that studios will keep making more of them. Yes, 120%. Yes. But what else do you have coming? How can people find out to stay on top of this? Because I know you are working. I know you're working. So how can people stay on top of what you've got going on? I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Find me there. <laughs> and and it's actually you. It's just me. It's stuff on Brooks. Yes, me. Okay. It's not some agent managing it and giving no, the... No, it's just me. No, no, no. I'm not that big of a person in, in, in this industry yet. And I, you know, it sucks. I don't have a blue check yet. I'm still waiting to get my, my blue check. But what do we have to do? How do we make that happen? I, I keep sending my ID photo thing to the registration. And it's, they say, screw you. And I'm like, okay, watch. One of these, one of these days, you're gonna need me social media. <laughs> but we will put all of your information into our show notes so people can follow you, can keep track of what you've got going on. I am looking forward to this Gordon Hemingway film. I'm, I'm gonna be honest, it sounds dope, and I'm glad you actually said how to pronounce it. I'll be honest. Cthulhu, I know. Cthulhu. People say, "What the Cthulhu? What? What?" <laughs> don't, don't worry about it. It's, it's, it's a monster from a, a white supremacist writer who did this monster world and we using this monster to flip 
uh, on its head. You know, what I'm saying it's a lot, and it comes from H.P. Lovecraft. So a lot of people, uh, a lot of you know European folks follow that. <laughs> H.P. Lovecraft. I never even heard of H.P. Lovecraft or Cthulhu mm-hmm. until the project came to me, and I polished it to making my version. And, uh, and I'm just using it to talk about uh, white supremacy of that time because it's set in 1930, 1930s. And yeah, you'll yeah, yeah. I look forward to everything that you have coming because you know, big up GT talent. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for this. He's doing so much stuff. I mean, I, in my mind, I always thought that a director is working on one project for a very long time and they don't have space capacity to do more than one thing. But he's got a lot going on and he's worked with some big names. That's pretty dope. <laughs> I love to big up GT Talent. Let me tell you, I saw, as I mentioned in the interview with him, I saw See You Yesterday as a short and was blown away. So when it became a feature, I was just like, whoa, it's so good. It's so good. And I knew I wanted to see more from him. I mean, he's been on his grind within the film industry. And of course, you team up with somebody like Spike Lee. There's no room <laughs> for mediocre. You have to bring your A game. So I'm looking forward to Gordon Hemingway and the realm of Cthulhu. There we go. I said it right. Mm. <laughs> Can we just have a second for the joy that is his laughter? I am just so happy to hear a black man laugh out loud with like full guttural laugh. I, I think I'm going to make it my phone. Uh, what's Ring what do you phone. call it? Ringtone. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> just every time the phone rings, that's what I want to hear. Black man laughing. It's infectious. <laughs> His laugh is infectious. Like, even when I'm listening to the playback, I'm just like, <laughs> I have to laugh right along with it. But that's good. That is good. When you're doing what you love, that's the kind of joy you should have. And so I'm super excited for him. I can't wait to see what's coming out. I also want to see Breathe. What? Guyanese, Americans, what women, female leads, mother, daughter, sci-fi. I'm like, what else? What else you throw Brooklyn? In? Right? I'm saying, oh, next thing I know, they're going to be eating roti and and suddenly Puwa will come on and they'll just start de- Like, what else do you need in this show for representation? I am ready and I am definitely just making space in the living room because I feel like at some point I'm going to be dancing in the movie. I don't know why, but I just feel like that's going to happen. I think that movie's going to have a vibe. And speaking of which, can I rave? <sighs> I mean, <laughs> you never need my permission to rave, but I'm so excited. Let me tell you, just listening to the laughter and the joy in this moment. Yeah, I'm ready to rave too. Oh, good. Because I have the perfect song. This is Vibes Again by Nikita. To get on the road, we hype and we ready. ready, ready, ready yeah. See me and me crew, been holding it steady, steady, steady. Stop there, all your water, your 
Her vocals are amazing. And for the people who did not catch her Soka Monarch performance, that hair and makeup, whoa. I need to figure out where she got that done because when I go back to Guyana, I'm hitting up that same person. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to confess, normally I only have one reason to choose a rave song, but this time I had another reason. Um, Unfortunately, we lost a really kind, sweet person this week, and he always, always was full of Ahsoka vibes. He was a walking Soka ambassador. DJ Double Twelve, aka Dwayne Kunin, um, passed away suddenly, and it it was really hard for me. It was really a uh, heartfelt. Um, he was a super duper BK Ranson rave supporter. He was a, a lovely Soka Say So supporter. He watched just about every Tuesday there was. Um, and he will be missed, but he definitely brought the vibes to any venue he was in. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, condolences to his family. And, you know, I'm, I'm so, I was sad to hear you know, you told me and I was just like, I was in the middle of a meeting and I was just like, wait, what? Like, so mm. crazy. You never know. You never know in this life. But I'm so glad that we were able to spend time with him and hang out with him at the Ranch and Rays. Always such a positive person. He will definitely be missed. Yeah. And maybe this week, just leave us some hearts. <laughs> That's the only comments I want. Just leave us some hearts. Show some love. Show some love to people in your life. Because of 2020 and 2021 has shown us anything, life is not promised. Tomorrow is not promised. So live for now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But still take care of yourself and be safe. And make sure you are following us. Follow Soka Say So on all social media or go to SokaSaySo.com. Follow this chick on all social media or go to DYSCHICK.com. And follow BK Rant and Rave. Go to bkrantandrave.com. Okay, bye.